Welcome back to Fare the Inkwell. <laughs> I'm excited about today's pitch uh, because, well, so, okay, so the idea is you have the, I, I hate to say, you know, we always go to the father figure. It's like the father was studying something and, you know, mm. and leaves it to their progeny, which is typically the son. Like, I hate to, I hate to start it that way, but so the, the ancestral figure <laughs> the 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 parental figure was uh studying magic in so this would this would be set in a high fantasy setting where the magical system is not defined it's it's like harry potter magic it's like yeah we don't know how it works but it works okay so and and i guess uh with my limited limited knowledge of lord of the rings too it's again it's like the magic is there it does something it's a force that does something so anyway so the 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 parental figure is studying it and starting to untangle how it actually works so like the physicists of the 50s were untangling how the atom works and now we're building upon their work and 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 progressing so this this uh, this this person's progeny, the protagonist of the story, would be building upon the foundation that their parents laid for them of how to use, like how to actually manipulate this magical system. Um, it would require you to define the magical system in you know whatever way. Like so, if if a ritual has to be done for this or that reason, or you know something has to be done in a certain order in order to power up. Anyway, so they figure it out and they start building new things, incorporating their knowledge of this technology. Hmm. And you can extrapolate this story all the way to the point where they build a spaceship. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, and, and I mean, one of the, one of the crux pieces of the story is it could be, it could be a Lord of the Rings esque story where there's a ring, but what the ring actually is is the key to the spaceship oh man and then so then you extrapolate that out even further and they find another planet like they they're using this magical system to travel faster than the speed of light or whatever you know whatever it takes they find another planet and then you know where does the magic like if the magic is inherent in the universe then they're going to land on this other planet and find you know Potentially a society that is steeped in science or a society that is steeped in magic or, you know, nothing. They're going to land among primitives and use their magic to conquer them or, you know, some something along those lines. And I think it would be a really interesting story because it's, I mean, we take it for granted, like, that, that science fiction at some point starts to look like magic. But what if it was high fantasy in space? Oh, man. Okay. So okay. Lord of the Rings in space, like, I mean, <laughs> and this has been staring at us our entire lives. Once they started lumping science fiction and fantasy together at the bookstore, you go to the sci-fi fantasy like category and you find both types. But has, you know, I do not, I'm not aware of a piece that has been written like that. Like, you know, cause this is a, assuming the rules of our, you know, our phys- physicality, our, our, you know, our physics, but add on top of that the the force of high fantasy magic that has been unraveled and understood to the point where they can do things with it. I mean, you could build a, a, a 
like depending on the magical system, you could have them build a skyscraper out of wood, you know, like, and it would be an, an upside down pyramid because that's more aesthetically pleasing than like just a straight, straight up steel and stone. Or it takes the shape of one of their deities and they all live in this giant sculpture of, you know, that, that <laughs> defies the laws of physics because it's using magic to keep it apart, like to keep it together. And then too, if you understand the magical system, you can unravel it. So maybe there's a saboteur that comes by and starts like they, they understand bits and pieces of the magical system and they know what, which thread to pull on. And then like they cause major catastrophes because they're just poking at the wrong or the right place. Like, okay. (laughs) The pause. (laughs) I know it's a lot to take in. No, this, you just hit on something just a second ago that really made me, gave me an idea. Like you said, defy the laws of physics. Okay. This is actually, that's actually very interesting. If you want to talk about the clash of civilizations in this, you'd mentioned like maybe they find another planet out there that's purely science-based. These guys are purely magic-based and like just getting them to, even if they can figure out how to speak each other's languages. Okay. But the fact that everything that this one group of people does defies the laws of science but what if also science, everything they do, kind of defies the laws of magic? Like, uh, yeah. like you shouldn't be able to build a nuclear bomb. <laughs> you know, right. It's not something that should be – you shouldn't be able yeah, to have Yeah, you should airplane. have to sacrifice a goat and wave a wand to cause a fireball that big. Oh, my gosh. Now that, <laughs> oh, man. The, a clash of civilizations. One uses magic purely and one uses science purely and they – just trying to figure each other out. That would be an interesting story. So, and it does occur to me that Warhammer 40K does kind of touch upon magic in space. But I don't, like, personally, I don't know their lore well enough. So, yeah, so again, I'm not steeped in the Warhammer 40K lore well enough to know how they incorporate but i do know they incorporate some kind of magic in there but warhammer 40k has gotten so far into the realm of high fantasy mm. that that it's like no longer about the systems it's it's this system is in place already now we have these characters that are fighting this grand war you know they have the you know, the chaos Marines and all the other stuff that they, they use magic, but they, I don't know that they have identified the magical system. Yeah. I think that, I think that they lean heavy towards it's psychic stuff, you know, right. like it's any kind of magic stuff is really psychic stuff where you can move things with your mind psychic or you can abilities. predict the future, but, but still. Yeah. So yeah. So getting back to the idea, I mean, that, I like the idea of the clash of civilizations, <sighs> Um, but, you know, it would also bring into perspective, like, you know, what if uh, your first foray is out into space with this magical spacecraft end in disaster because the magic is emanating from a planet. Oh, and so when you get yeah. far enough away, your ship just falls apart because it's held together by magic instead of, you know, science. There's some kind of primordial power source there that's in that planet or right. maybe even right. maybe it's a star and it affects the entire solar system. But right. You know, like you can't yeah, get out. Like you, you can't could, get out of that solar system. I mean, you could put so many, you could throw so many interesting wrenches into this formula. Like because maybe the magic is all pervasive and it just it's throughout the entire universe. But uh, like hmm. other stars or other planets have it slightly differently because it's a 
you know, a corrupted form of the magical system or the magical system doesn't behave quite like you would expect it to. And so I I think it would be fascinating to to follow a character through the pinning down of the magical system because like you get, you know, Brandon Sanderson does really good with the, uh, with his magical system, with the blood magic in uh, the Mistborn stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, he explains it quite well and all that, but, but, you know, when, where was the inception of that knowledge and that understanding? You know, this is very interesting because there's a couple of interesting parallels that we can, we can probably pull from. Like, for instance, there are all different kinds of magic systems that we've been, you know, like introduced to in fantasy throughout our lives and stuff. Some of them are well known. And, but I think that like one that lends itself most to, to uh, uh, something we can kind of relate to in real life would be alchemy, where it's kind of portrayed as being very similar to chemistry. People mm. can do experiments and say, oh, I put this chemical in it, this amount, and that's how I get this potion. Right. But um, one interesting factor here that humans have lost touch with, that used to exist in human culture, specifically I'm thinking of like ancient Egypt and stuff, was spoken language. Uh, like you would say things like inc- an incantation mm. or you could carve an incantation into an object. And for instance, I know that uh, in a lot of archeology span uh, uh, studies have shown that pottery fields exist with all these smashed pots. And when they start putting the pots together, they're like, Oh, these have curses on them. And so, you know, like people right, would carve right. a curse into a clay pot, dry it, take it somewhere, smash it. And that would activate the curse, you know, thinking right. that way. What if that actually existed and people did start to experiment with it? Like, oh, what if I tweaked the pronunciation of this word? Right. And then they got into the minutiae of studying. Oh, you could do an entire series of an academic study of magic right? that way. That's interesting. So it also reminds me a little bit of uh, the magical system that Garth Nix describes in uh, one of his series. They call it the Charter. And... Um, from the description, it's almost like it's like the matrix. Um, and if you can see these, the charter marks, it's essentially the writing that makes up the fabric of the world. And you can create your own or manipulate them by writing. Like that, to me, that's actually a very fascinating system because it does tie it very closely with language and, and written language and spoken language and all that. So I think it would just be very fascinating to, to see a character as they were developing and and pulling out the understanding, like in the Harry Potter universe, like, you know, the question comes up, well, why, you know, why don't they like just teleport everywhere? Because they have the the ability to do that. Well, if you start adding explanations to that, you know, maybe it's very uncomfortable to do it, or maybe the requirements to do it are like, are different. Like, and so you, so you start to unravel the, the mystery behind the magical system. Maybe like every 25 times or every 25th time you do it, someone turns to dust <laughs> in your group, you know, and you're right. like, oh, well, we lost Chuck. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Right. So, so learning, I mean, it would be a, it would be a lot like just going out into the unknown and trial and error. It's like, well, we wrote this symbol wrong and Ted died. So, uh, <laughs> next time we're going to put a goat in the place of the person and, and try it again. Yep. Turns out you just create giant goat that way. <laughs> so goat does not equal human. Uh, what are we going to do now? 
how the but, goat is demanding you know, his own house. You know, um, I think I think your your talk, like where it, it equates to almost to alchemy, is very very similar. But I think with the magical systems, there's a, an understood power that's unseen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with alchemy, it's more like like you said, like the chemistry where you have to have the the base requirements. And I think most magic, as as we stupid westerners <laughs> understand it um is is a kind of a you know it's drawing down drawing power out of the sky or out of some unknown location yeah. or there's a, a deity or some kind of in, uh, extra uh supernatural entity that's giving you right the ability to do something you know i mean i i've seen images uh, or paintings of witches in the middle ages mm-hmm. um where you know the deal was is that they would they would make a pact or they would, you know, have a prayer and that would call an actual invisible demon who would then like go forth and manipulate things in ways that appeared that, that they were just mo- like objects were moving by themselves. Right. But in fact, it was a demon who was moving objects, but normal people can't see it. Yeah. So there was there, I think that in the past there has been some type, uh, there's been an attempt to explain some of these things that way that you could draw from from your story and say that's a start point you know right like, but then i am intrigued by the idea of there being like a um a non-intelligent force that responds right. to intelligent requests like i mean like the concept of the ether yeah that has died out like yeah or i think in physics there's the zero point energy mm-hmm which is, you know, if we can tap into that power, we can do essentially magic, you know. Yeah. Like so, oh. But I really do think the power in a story like this is is discovering the unknown. And and it, like the trial and error that it takes and the the length of time because, you know, it's it's once you start playing with power, it's it's dangerous. I mean, science has shown us that. <laughs> That's a very good point. I do not remember his name, but there's a very famous scientist that was working on the Manhattan Project and, and then after the Manhattan Project was studying radiation. And where they used to have machines to manipulate radioactive substances and stuff, he didn't like doing that. He wanted to go in and actually do things by hand. And one day he made a mistake and opened things up a little too far and he realized what had happened, that he had just been bathed in this co- in this uh, radiation oh, right. and that he was very quickly going to die a very painful death you know he realized it and said so immediately right there in the lab and then started taking notes on what his experiences were until yeah. he could no longer take notes i think i recently so, saw something about that wasn't it a, a particle accelerator and I think it, so. and it shot a particle through his head i, I think that might be true yeah and like and it, it was like through his cheek and his cheek swelled up and like they studied it, they studied him for a while, and mm-hmm. I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like with that kind of power comes a real real danger. Like I keep thinking about, you know, well, if there's this uh, magical ability, and that you know, you poke a hole in the fabric to to get at the power. What if the hole like is you know you can't close it after that, and it starts flooding. Like you poke a hole and it's like a chain, chain reaction and like it destroys the planet. It's like, oops. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be, yeah. It's like, well, now what? Right. Let's all just move to the other side of the planet. <laughs> Problem solved. Oh my God. You know what's even interesting too though is 
like what if it is like uh, magic is actually these invisible extra dimensional creatures that you call over to do your bidding only like they were doing stuff, you know? So like, like you've got, you call over the demon, like Charles bat and you know, Charles, you know, like I summoned Charles bat to do my dinner or bidding. And, and he cuts over there and he was like, dude, I just sat down. Right. And I'm like, now what? And I had a pile of cookies waiting for me back in my demon house. I was in the middle of Futurama. I go on. Oh, right? You just, man, what is with, what do you want? What do you want? You, you mean to like right. pull your best friend's hair because they mad at you today? Okay. Well, so, that, so that's an interesting thought too, because like, it makes me think of, uh, you know, DMT and the, and the so-called machine elves. And so maybe, you know, as you're pinning this, uh, system down, maybe the cost like, because a lot of people really don't like a magical system that has no cost to it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I can throw fireballs and, and it doesn't matter. It's like, well, you know, what at what cost? And mm-hmm. and so uh, maybe the cost to this magical system would be you, you start going crazy. Because in order to access, like, these other invisible spirits, you have to start taking... So, like severely mind-altering chemicals that eventually exact a toll and you start going crazy. But I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Because then, it, I mean, it also plays into the crazy inventor trope. Like, you know, it's like, oh, don't trust so-and-so. They're, they, they don't, you know, I hear weird noises coming from their house and, <laughs> and they're crazy as a, a you know. And, and anytime you, you legit meet a really old wizard, you should be afraid of him because you just don't know what he's going to do. You right. know? Like, and like, and the, <laughs> the power that they're capable of wielding, like, or not, because it could just be a, a you know, uh, imposter. Oh, yeah. Could be a fake. Like, here, I can make a bird appear. It's like, I could destroy this entire army, but do you really want me to? <laughs> <laughs> Would that really get you where you want to be in life? It's like it, I, you know, it's I got a fireball that can do that, but it might take out half of your army too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh, man! This that's a very interesting concept. I uh, I would be interested in reading about that. I I think I would too. Like because uh, you know it, it's it's fascinating because you're essentially you're you're drawing up a new set of physics essentially for the book. And I don't know that anybody has done that. Like people think it through in their head so that their story is straight and works the same as their story goes. Mm. But I think, I don't think uh, a lot of people take their characters through the inception of their magical system. Honestly, I think that that is one of the big reason that people who want to be fantasy writers don't get their work off the ground is because they don't, they don't put in that work of figuring out right the world what, building. Yeah, how do you? What are the? You have to establish rules for the reader to follow. You don't have to be explicit and say right. here are the rules of magic. You just, although that would be kind of cool, but you, would, <laughs> um, you do have to like get have the reader like pick up on it through conversation right. and dialogue and action. And you that, have to be consistent in your understanding of how it works, yeah. so that it comes across to the reader too, even if subtly. And I, I do think that was where Harry Potter succeeded, but unfortunately also failed because right. Harry Potter is just an undeniable success. Probably one of the biggest successes in all of 
human history for for generating in money, you know, right? Like between books and merchandising and movies and I stuff. Mean, We're got talking a theme park about it. It just billions of dollars on on two different like continents, I think. So so just billions and billions of dollars into Harry Potter, but at the same time. If you asked any Harry Potter fan, can you define the rules of magic for me? Like, can you right. tell me something you can and can't do? What are the limits? Then they would be hard pressed to do that because right. they were you were presented all the time with things that could be done, but they never really talked about. Oh, that would be an impossible well, thing. And they they know? negate their own rules quite often too yeah. because it's like, oh, you have to speak the spell and wave your wand, and then it's like, oh, wait, you can do magic without a wand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wait, you don't even have to speak the spell. Like, and, and so I think as she went along, she kind of negated some of her own magic, which is, I think, again, it helps if you're writing to know the limits of your system and then set your story within those limits. I think, yeah, I think because it, beca- it just becomes more be- like easier to suspend disbelief. Right. And I mean, like I, I, anytime I sit down to write something, I actually, Especially if it's going to be in a kind of an unrealistic world, or maybe a future world, or or even a past world where, where you know, we the, the, those rules no longer apply to modern day. I, I'd really kind of take a minute and do some pre work and make a meta document on right. what I'm going to say I can do and what I'm going to say I can't do. You know, and, and just establish that. It, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just right. do it, and then that way you can use it as your own guide, stay in, within those boundaries for your story. Because if you, like you're, like unfortunately, I think a lot of, of writers don't, and they just kind of go off the rails. Right. Right? You can either do everything or nothing or both at the same time, and that's confusing. So. Well, and it's easy to go off the rails, too, because as you're going along, you're like, wouldn't it be cool if this happened or that happened? And, yep. you know, you get caught up in the telling of your own story. And then you you forget the framework. And then, you know, sometimes you can go back and fix that. But a lot of the times, if you get too far off base, then you have to throw out a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's where, uh, I think that's where a lot of science fiction writers actually in the past, well, H.G. Wells, for instance, did the opposite. H.G. Wells provided science fiction with no rules. Uh, and, and just said anything was possible. Like he, you know, said, well, I've got a time machine and a time machine is possible because I said so. But he never, <laughs> he never like established what are the physics behind it or, right. or anything else. And, you know, and, and his stuff still worked, but he didn't try to make the time machine do everything. He right. just, you know, it was the, it was the driver of the plot. Yeah. It was the, it was the special circumstance that set up everything else. I think so. And, and then he talked about the human story surrounding what right. happened, you know, the, the aftermath of the time machine, not, you know, not the fact that the time machine existed or how it worked, but, you know, it's like this happened, like, yeah, and now we deal with the consequences. Right. You know. Which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if 